let's uh, let's dive right in. And the obligatory bottle of tonight's libations is sitting right in front of me. Why don't you try to read the front of that bottle? Let us know what we're up against tonight. This one I've seen before. It says Barolo. <laughs> did I did I nail it? Nailed it. That's how it said. Yeah. All right. Well, it's also a Riva del Brick with an apostrophe or an asterisk. I'm sorry, next to it. Um, but it is a 2013, so a couple years back. A solid five year, five years ago. All I know is this is not a cheap bottle. No? We are going all out tonight. Let me see that bad boy. 2013 Barolo. Oh, there is some hard to pronounce stuff right underneath the word Barolo. Skipped over that. It was very small, small print. Denominación de origen controlada. E garantita. Uh-huh. Guarantee that it's originally from, it's a denomination from the origin controlled by something that's guaranteed. Riva del Brique. Right. So this has got to be Italian. Paola Canterno. Daletinetti six. The kids at home can't see it, so I'm going to... Spin this bad boy off up top. Give me that corky screw. There you go. All right. So what are we talking about tonight? So we are in the process of planning a trip. We have very exciting news. We have just officially booked flights to Hong Kong and Tokyo. Now, going back to Asia. Going back to Asia. It's been over two years since we've been there. And we've been talking about doing Tokyo this year for probably the entire year. And I think it's one of those trips that we've been talking about and neither of us were sure if we were actually going to lock it in or not. But we finally booked tickets this week, so it's officially happening. Well, I also... There we go. I also feel like we haven't done a whole lot of really cool international travel this year. Every year we've had at least one massive trip or big international trip to look forward to. And I think the first one we did was Peru and Colombia, and then the following year we did a bop around Asia. I think we hit Taiwan, Shanghai, Thailand, Kuala Lumpur. Year after that we did Australia, New Zealand. Yeah. Iceland. And then we had Iceland. We did a long weekend in Iceland somewhere in between all those. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hand me your glass real quick. Fantastic. And in 2018, we haven't, we've been doing mostly weddings. Yeah. We've been doing mostly weddings and work travel for both of us. So we've both been traveling quite a bit, but as far as fun vacation travel, this will be the first real vacation we've taken all year. And we're taking it in November over Thanksgiving. So really cramming it in at the last kind of minute this year yeah all these vacation days that in in the past we've always come right up against them it's like well i've only got seven days left and we want to take a 10-day trip so we try to tack it on top of a long weekend or holiday weekend just to get away with it so this is really more of a spontaneous unscripted episode where we share with the rest of the world how little we know about Japan and Hong Kong, but you have, I mean, Hong Kong was just, a, we're doing a long layover there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we found some pretty, we saw that most of the cheap flights that we were looking at anyway, we're going to have a layover. 
So instead of just doing a two-hour in-airport layover in, like, Dubai or something and not being able to see anything, we figured let's stretch it out. And so what are we? We've got a couple of days, a day and a half, maybe two nights in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And then we get up early the next day and shoot over to Narita. Yep. And then head into Tokyo, and that looks to be, like, eight, nine days on the ground. Yep, about like eight days we'll be there. Um, but that was a good lesson that I think I learned we typically don't love doing layovers when we travel internationally you're already going to be in flight 13 plus hours why tack on another five if you don't have to so we were trying to look at ways to do direct flights and basically the cheapest that we got with a direct flight from New York to Japan was $1,800 one flight there one flight back and Everything else was much cheaper, but with some crazy layovers in between. So I think I spent many hours looking at every different possible combination of cities and places we could go. I think you picked up your computer and in five minutes you had a better option than I had had after many hours of searching. But with what you came up with. I think I just got lucky. Eh, we'll we'll call it luck. (laughs) (laughs) What you came up with was a direct flight from here to Hong Kong then a direct flight from Hong Kong to Japan and a direct flight from Japan back to New York for all under $1,000 per person. Nailed it. So we ended up spending a combined less amount of what we would have spent had we booked direct flights to To Tokyo and and back. Yeah. Yeah. So that worked out really well. And Hong Kong is somewhere we've been wanting to go but hasn't necessarily been top of the list for a long time. It's somewhere I think kind of like a london you kind of know you're gonna gonna end end up up there there. it's a major city it's there's so many flights that go there it's just inevitable but that being said i am very excited to see it for the short day and a half that we have we have i think they have a disneyland there (laughs) they do they have a disneyland there and in tokyo if we want to get a comparative experience as disney shareholders i feel like it is it it's a moral imperative right right for us to pay the ridiculous prices if i had two days i'd consider there's and it's on from and i know i mean we're we're quickly reaching the limits of what i know about hong Mm -hmm. kong or japan um and disneyland i think is all i know about hong kong and uh i think it's on a separate island it's not even like where everyone goes in hong kong i think it's right next to the airport though that we're flying into it's like you pass disneyland to get to downtown the airport's also on a separate island yeah Right next to Disney. Yeah. So this is a little embarrassing, but fun <laughs> tidbit into our lives. <laughs> we have an Apple TV. With our Apple TV, there are screensavers that show up when the TV goes to sleep. And they're screensavers of pictures from all over the world. And it's basically a camera hovering over the landscape. So bird's eye view of so many different cities. And they're the most beautiful landscapes and Hong Kong is one of the major cities that's featured in this. So embarrassingly choosing where to go in the world is based on the Apple TV screensaver. Embarrassingly enough, it's really entertaining to sit on a couch and watch the screensaver. Hands down, the best feature. If you're gonna go out and spend $139 on an Apple TV, what you find right and this is I found this with my iPad too. Like I don't Mm -hmm. I couldn't even tell you where my but the coolest thing about the Apple TV is the screensaver. Oh, yeah. Hands down. So that being said, with Hong Kong being one of the major featured cities, I have absolutely loved some of the landscapes that I've seen. So um, the basically the one main thing I want to do there is this hike 
called Victoria Peak. And it gives you, it's this mountain basically in this hike that's right next to the city, which is also right next to the water. And essentially what the landscape looks like is this greenery. You're on top of a, a high peak looking down at this beautiful city and then just this gorgeous landscape in the background. So it's like nothing I've ever seen before. I think it's going to be such an amazing experience. That's the, the top of my list of what I want to do when we get there. Wasn't Taiwan a little bit like that? They had that elephant something or other, Elephant Mountain or... So it was. Elephant Mountain in Taiwan was great and it was very much... It was so crazy. Again, similarly, having a mountain or a hill in the middle of a major city with major (sighs) buildings, but the difference is that there was no water behind the landscape of the Taiwan city. So with Hong Kong, it's like... And Taiwan is like all the same height except for that one massive building in the middle of the city and hong kong is just massive and so many high everything's a high rise exactly with an advertisement flashing advertisement going all the way up to the 112th floor i don't know we'll see but very excited for that day and a half what do you want to do while you're there i know you've done some research on hong kong on i've done so in the middle of the night when i can't sleep i'll pop open my phone and i'll just read like a wiki travel or travel wiki uh, whichever one it is it's great for the real basic stuff, like how to get from the airport to your hotel and the 7,000 different ways to do it. Um, I couldn't even tell you, you know, anything of note that I read in that because it was more basic getting around stuff and Mm -hmm. like stuff you should know um, that they have their own currency. They don't speak Mandarin. They speak Cantonese. Um, If you want to go to Macau, I think it's a bit more complicated. Mm. (laughs) There is a ferry that goes from Hong Kong Island, I think to Macau, um, but I think you need to have some sort of entry permit or visa of some sort, um, even though they're both, they're called SARs, and it's, I forget what they stand for, but it's some sort of administrative region, because Hong Kong used to be a British colony for the longest time, since I think the 1800s, and then they gave it back in 97 to, uh, back, gave it back to China, or gave it back to Beijing. But it's still supposedly one of the more liberal or democratic, you know, still has, a, you know, strong capitalist roots, which which England will do that when they take over. Uh, it's all about money. But I, I don't really have anything high on the list. Um, it, again, it's more that scenic sort of the that eyegasm that you get when you're walking down a street that's just nothing but stimulus, right? It's visual stimulus from for as far as the eye can see. So I'm expecting it to be kind of like an Asian New York. Yeah. Know, you know, with just a lot more green, mm-hmm. you know, so a big island, but with these mountains and greenery around it. Again, we're only going to be there for a couple of days, so as long as we find some cool nightlife and I can find a dive bar to post up in, play darts with some locals, I think I'll be pretty happy. Yeah. So that takes us to our layover or or I guess our next flight into Tokyo. And just to give you background, the reason that we're going to Tokyo this year is because my cousin, who I'm very close with, is based out of Las Vegas and just graduated high school in May of this year. And she's half Japanese and her father was born here. Um, so she's actually taking a gap year and living with her mother's side of the family for an entire year in Tokyo. And it's a perfect opportunity for us to go to a country and have 
friends that are locals and get that insight while somebody that of course I and both of us now are very close with can kind of show us the way and take us around town so it's a perfect time she's been there now for a couple of months and by November we're expecting her to be able to play tour guide and show us all the coolest places but she speaks Japanese right she does exactly so that'll help a lot and she's actually right now teaching English to Japanese students there nice We'll pause for station identification while you cough. You're listening to Keeping Wanderlust Radio. <laughs> Tonight, we're drinking a 2013 Barolo. That's all I got. Sorry. <laughs> we got to work on our advertising skills. So anyway, we're, we're heading from Hong Kong to Tokyo. We're spending about eight days in Tokyo. And it's somewhere that hasn't ever been at the top of my list But since I've been doing a bit of research and listening to different podcasts and talking to people who've been there, it's somewhere that has quickly climbed to the top of my list. And I think the timing is perfect with my cousin living there for a while. But I have never heard a bad thing about Tokyo. And people who. Except for me. (laughs) Yeah, and you've never been there before. So. No, I had a full day layover in Japan, and it wasn't Tokyo. I I flew into Narita, and I was. I had a flight to, I think it was Bangkok in 2010 or 2011, something like that. And there was this massive storm coming in. And the airline offered to let us board our flight a day early, right? And the flight was from New York or Newark to Narita with a short layover. And then you hop on a plane and go to Bangkok. And they said, we can get you to Narita but you've got to stay there for the full day and pick up your regularly scheduled flight to go to Bangkok. So we had this full day layover. Um, and it wasn't even a full day. We just, we, we got off the plane, made it through customs, went to a hotel, like, cause this was all last, the day before we flew, we, we had to figure out what to do and when we land. So we just found a hotel that was close to the airport, figured out a way to get there stayed at the airport or stayed at the hotel and then went back to the airport the next morning. So very, very limited exposure to Japan. But all I remember is the food was terrible. It was expensive. Getting around was a pain in the ass only because everyone, you would ask them if they speak English and they say yes. And then you start talking to them and then all they, you find out very quickly that all they know how to say is yes. So it's dangerous. And then it just gets frustrating. Um, and I was trying to go on vacation and this was like an extra day out of my vacation was kind of, and it sped things up and it was really kind of a stressful time, but I don't, I don't, I haven't, I don't have a whole lot of insight. I am super naive and incredibly uninformed when it comes to Japan and Tokyo and what to expect. I mean, I, I can, I've seen the same movies everyone else has the one, you know, the lost in translation movie with Bill Murray, which might be one of the worst movies ever made. So I I don't know how people stay awake to that. I don't even, I still don't understand what the point is. I have heard that people go to Tokyo and when they come back they get the movie. <laughs> so maybe that'll make sense after I come back. Maybe I'm just not well well rounded enough to enjoy an art film. I don't know. But I am walking in with, with relatively low expectations. It is I do expect just a big bustling city that's going to be difficult to navigate. So I think that's a really important point is that expectations play into your experience so much when you travel. And when you go somewhere that you have high expectations and you expect something 
very specific and that doesn't pan out, you're of course disappointed. So I think that's probably a good thing in this situation. My expectations were probably similar to yours. Again, it's never been high on my list. I've never really, you know, I just haven't known what Tokyo has in store, but I think the only insight before maybe this year when I started talking to people about Tokyo was Anthony Bourdain's uh, what parts unknown, parts unknown episode, yeah. yeah. And I don't. And, but he went and he sought out in his in. I, I think I know what episode you're talking about. He sought out the sort of the underbelly or the the more taboo side yeah, of Tokyo. He so did. I don't know if that was a good initiation. And that was probably my first intro to seeing anything and learning about the culture a little bit more. And it's definitely the seedy side of Tokyo, which absolutely exists. There's a David Chang, I don't know, like Netflix. I, I don't know if it's his show or if he was like involved in a handful of episodes, one of those chef tables, chef's table or mm-hmm. one of those where he spent two or three episodes where he went out to Japan and he did this whole thing with miso and finding like aged fish or I don't know. That one looked a bit less seedy. <laughs> <laughs> But he was still talking to people who were working on like the fish docks and and the people that the workers, one of them that he was interviewing was wearing like this full on mask, like a clockwork orange mask or something while he was talking to David Chang as if this is how he shows up to work every day. Like it's his uniform or this is how I express myself. And it's pretty, it it just struck me as pretty creepy because it looked like a clockwork orange mask. Yeah. So I think in learning a little bit more and watching some of those videos there's definitely parts that stand out but some of the biggest takeaways that I've had before speaking with people who've traveled there are the work ethic is incredibly strong there people will work long hours six plus days a week do they have ambition though I and again this just might be me amplifying the stereotypes but from my understanding, limited understanding, everything's got to be caveated in this episode. Um, they're basically a culture that is defined by being happy with what you've got and being grateful for it and working your ass off to do well at whatever it is, whether you're pushing a mop, you know, or a broom, or you're running, you know, you're the CEO of Toyota, which I hope is a Japanese company. I don't even know. <laughs> support that uh i don't i don't know i have no idea uh i guess we'll find out maybe by speaking to i don't even know how there. to ask him that it's like <laughs> do you have ambition it's like what is ambition fuck you <laughs> of course i have ambition oh your beautiful japanese accent coming out too soon <laughs> but anyway so All I know is there's a crazy work ethic. With that, there's a crazy nightlife party-esque element there, which is not a bad thing for us as visitors. Um, There's also the element of anime and gaming and the, you know, Japanese game show bars and karaoke that exists that I'm expecting to see a lot of. That's definitely Do you think we can get on a Japanese game show? I'm sure we could seek it out and figure out a way. Do you think they let Gaijin go on TV on their Japanese game shows? So is that a character <laughs> that could be on the show? I'm sure. Can no, can a, a white person, Westerner, you know, be on the Japanese game show 
be like one of their guests or are we just going to get tarred and feathered by going up there? Would people tune out? No idea. No. I'm sure they'd welcome us with open arms. We're going to have to find somebody and like get to the truth of the situation. Especially if you bring out your accent, though. They may get confused. They may samurai chop my dick off (laughs) if they hear my (laughs) Japanese accent. (laughs) Very offensive. (laughs) You have no honor. (laughs) So anyway, they're (laughs) moving on. Uh, there are I think a couple, we just got an explicit rating. <laughs> there are a couple different things that I had heard and this image that I have of Tokyo. But since I've been planning a trip and my cousin's going there and I definitely want the experience, every single person that I've talked to who's been there has said it's the most beautiful, pristine, well-manicured city they've ever been to. Definitely a lot of people's favorite experiences in Asia as a whole. And these are people who've traveled to many different countries within Asia. A lot of people will rate Tokyo or Japan top as their, their favorite. Yeah. As yeah, the top all the, of their All list. the other podcasts we've been listening to about people who've gone to Tokyo, like sing its praises up and down. Yeah. So I guess what I'm hoping is that it's one of those places I have, I wouldn't even say low expectations, but medium. I'm, I'm <laughs> sort of indifferent about I'm how I feel. Whelmed. I'm yeah. not overwhelmed. I'm not underwhelmed. I'm just <laughs> whelmed. I'm hoping it's one of those places I'm whelmed about <laughs> that that ends up impressing me, that I end up being pleasantly surprised with. And now, I mean, my expectations are getting a little bit higher as I speak to people. I'm very, very excited to go and see what all the fuss is about. And I'm, I'm hoping it lives up to my new expectation. I just want to follow some Japanese guys off the train to see where they go drinking. Right? and just get stupid hammered with them, not be able to communicate at all. We'll just be playing a game of drunken charades all night to try to communicate and just get retarded drunk. Perfect. I think that would be a good time because there's a big drinking culture there. Very big. You can drink on the train. There's crazy videos of people falling asleep, You know, business people in their suits falling asleep on the subway or just on the street on the or in the parks on a Monday. But at least they're dressed in a suit. Here, when you pass out after a night of drinking, you usually wake up in like a wife beater and a pool of your own blood, piss, and vomit. Right. I wouldn't know about that. No? It's a good time. You can educate us. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you go out of town on your business trips. That's what's happening. Like, how did I get dog shit in my hair? What uh, happened here? Nasty. <laughs> you love me. Not, not maybe not right this debatable moment. maybe not right this <laughs> most of the time most of the time so aside from getting drunk and meeting some people you can't communicate with what if anything are you looking forward to um i would so i am a big fan of ramen so like my favorite food is probably pasta because i'm a fat descendant of italians and this is like Japanese Italian food. It's the greatest thing ever. Someone said, let's make a bowl of chicken soup and throw spaghetti in there. And I'm like, sign me up. So I'd love to go and sample all the different types of ramen. Like from the little noodle shops to the fancy pants sit down and they like put a white you know, napkin over your lap before you eat ramen. Which is silly. Cool. I would definitely second that. I think the biggest thing I'm looking forward to is the food for sure. Uh, Contrary to ramen, my favorite food is sushi, which I know is not yours. Awesome. 
It's just rice. It's just rice. All you can't that. Even, you dip the stuff in soy sauce and wasabi and you throw a little ginger on top. You don't even taste the fish anymore. I don't know how you go wrong with the combination of ingredients, but it is. Ha- it's not bad. I don't dislike it. It's just I don't. I don't do backflips over it. I I taste more rice than anything else. And then when I get like the sashimi, they're like, oh, Chris, you should eat sashimi. So I order the sashimi and then I get a plate full of just raw fish and it all tastes the same. I don't know. It's I, I think it. I feel like it was a hype. Like it was something new and different back in the 90s that found its way to the United States and people thought they were being trendy and it never went away. I don't know. I, give me a steak any day, right? And it blows sushi out of the water. Like on a scale of one to ten, sushi's like a four. Like it'll sustain life if I need to eat it every day. I won't die, I suppose. <laughs> but my last meal, never. Never uh, would choose sushi. I I die over sushi. So to each their own. That's totally fine. But for me, the fresh fish, going to the fish market, experiencing fresh sushi in every now, little fish market completely cranny. different story love me a good fish market right right there's just cool shit happening at fish markets like if they can chop into like a 700 pound tuna with a table saw i want to be around for that like i feel like that's 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 instagram worthy oh you're trying to pour the glass in front of the microphone trick it's pretty good i'm getting it i'm picking it up on the mic Oh, this is going to be a sad day. This bottle's disappearing fast. That this is a good a, Barolo. That is a hearty pour. This is not that we're wine connoisseurs, but this is pretty darn smooth. What happened? Did you just get a mouthful of cork? Why are you making faces? <laughs> no. we'll, we'll wait. We'll wait. I, I just don't understand. You're, you're like, this is a pretty good Barolo, and then you make the face like you just had it's a, a cat it's turd It's a really in your good mouth. Barolo. I think it's a little bit. It's a dry Barolo, right? I think they're Do you agree? all dry, aren't they? They're supposed to be dry. This one's a little drier than I'm used to. <laughs> so I had to wash it down with some water. I'm good now. See, I think it's fantastic. <laughs> this is so much better than whatever swill we were drinking the other night. Yeah. Like I could do six more bottles of these. <laughs> Perfect. Tonight. Are they still open? I don't know. I think the travel portion of our show is... Has ended a little while ago. Yeah. Well, is there anything else aside from the food and the drinking component? Well, look at that me. we know about I'm, Tokyo. I mean, if you're going to make me walk up a thousand stairs in Hong Kong, which I feel like is is obligatory torture, anywhere we go, you ask me to climb up a bunch of stairs. Yes. Um, it's all about the views. All about the views. Even though you can go to Google Maps, hit a button, and they'll show you what the view looks like. Almost the same thing, just Almost not quite. Almost the same thing. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to go in, in, and this is legit. Like, I'm trying to go in with an open mind. I think it's going to be a slightly different experience. We do tend to travel real fast. We, you know, we bounce from country to country when we're out there. We get up early. We stay out late. We try to squeeze in as much as possible. And by the time we land, we're like, shit, we need a day off before we go back to real life just because of how much energy we expended over the last whatever 10 20 days just to to get through our vacation and with this i don't i don't have high hopes for tokyo or japan or hong kong they're not 
when I think of places that I that are high on my list, like I think of the grittier third world countries. To be honest with you, I, like I I want it to be that kind of work. You know, I don't want it to be like I don't feel bad if I'm in if I get on a sailboat and go to a, go to an uninhabited island with a couple of locals, and then we get there, and then all of a sudden it starts storming. And we can't take the sailboat back because there's no lights and now the sun's gone down and we have to figure out a way to get back to the mainland and we take like a motorcycle through the rainy jungle to find a ferry that's that's pedaling home, you know, workers, right? Like that's a lot of work and that's hardship to get from point A to point B. I feel like in a place like Japan, getting from point A to point B is going to be difficult for no other reason than there's just 30 million people around yeah. you that have... 30 million more important things to do than help us get from A to B. So I, I don't, I, it's a big city, you know, coming from living and growing up in New York city and going to another big city. I don't, I expect it to have all the conveniences and that's going to be the problem. I think that's why my expectations aren't very high because the, you know, the upside of living in a place like we do right now is that you can hit a button and, and all your problems are solved. You know, it's the world, it's the land of convenience. Mm -hmm. And that's what Tokyo is. Not to me, <laughs> you know, it, it is, it's available to everyone else. And, and that's the frustrating part is like, I'll walk in and I'll know there's a better, faster, cheaper, more efficient way to get this done, whatever it is I'm trying to do, right? Like, I don't know, use the bathroom. I don't know if you've seen the toilets over there. They have 87 buttons on them. Mm. last thing you want to be doing is with your face down over the bowl <laughs> and testing out those buttons right you're just trying to flush the thing and next thing you know it's splashing the shit back in your face right and for them that's ultra convenient maybe they like having shit splashed in their face maybe that's one of the things they do maybe that's why they wear those masks i don't know <laughs> i'm just expecting it's it's going to be so foreign and it's going to be in a place where you expect everything to be super convenient and it's not going to be because it's going to be unfamiliar to us and it's going to be difficult for me to like be patient and let down my guard a little bit yeah. and, and be vulnerable. So, so I expect walking in, I, I have medium expectations walking in. Right. Well, that makes a ton of sense being where you're coming from and why your expectations are the way they are. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what your opinion is after, whether it's the same, whether it's lower, whether it's higher, but it's good to know where you're at as a baseline going into it. Yeah. No, I'm, I have, again, I have high hopes and honestly, we're, we're walking in, we're going to have people on the ground that can speak the language. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge, going to be obviously a huge crutch for us. Um, not having that would probably be a bit of a game changer. Um, but Still, it's going to boil down to, you know, a couple of key things. Obviously, if the weather's shitty, and it, and it's November is supposed to be a gorgeous time to be in in Japan, if the weather's shitty, that can really put a damper on things. But assuming the weather's nice, we we have somebody who can help point us in the right direction and teach us how to use the subway system so that we don't have to spend a week figuring it out the hard way. You know, if we have someone just show us the first time around, right? Um, I'm pretty stoked about that. Having someone who speaks the language, you know, will will definitely help me not blow a gasket when I'm just trying to eat a damn hot dog. <laughs> I don't know, or order a hot dog and find mustard and sauerkraut to put on it. Because you want to eat sushi. I mean, you could put probably rice and raw fish on top of your hot dog. But <laughs> no, but I, I I think 
I think I'll walk away. It, it'll be interesting, and I think that's the whole reason we're doing this episode now is to kind of get a that baseline, figure out where our heads are at. And I'm I'm hoping I come back with my hair blown back in a big way. Yeah. And, and I hope to have awesome things to report and tell other people to go, and not say screw this place. There's ten thousand other places in Asia that you should put on your list before it. Same. Yeah. Cool. So we'll definitely do, I mean, this is the before, we'll definitely do an after or two and keep you guys posted on whether Chris's hair is blown back or whether <laughs> it stays exactly upright the way it is right now. <laughs> it's my fro. It's my Jew fro. Be nice. It takes a lot of work. But uh, we're looking forward to the trip and we will definitely report back all of the exciting, bland, dull <laughs> adventures that we uh, pick up along the way. Awesome. And we are freshly out of wine. So with that, kids, thanks for joining us and stay tuned for the next episode of Keeping Waterless Radio. Over and out. <laughs> Good night, guys.